This episode of Astronomy Cast is brought to you by Swinburne Astronomy Online, the world's longest-running online astronomy degree program. Visit astronomy.swin.edu.au for more information. Astronomy Cast, episode 288 from Monday, January 7th, 2013. Phases of Matter. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. My name is Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today, and with me is Dr. Pamela Gay, a professor at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Fraser? Doing great. Uh, I know you're very cold, so uh, I am. so hopefully this will be one of those shows that you don't slip into some kind of uh, hypothermic uh, state and... <laughs> Yeah, and pass out in the middle of the show. Um, now, have you got any interesting things happening on CosmoQuest that we might want to mention? We are beta testing Mercury mappers. We are going live with a whole series of Google Hangouts that are related to Astronomy Cast. And um, I think pretty much all of us, and this includes you, are going to be at Science IO this year. So That's right. If you're going to be at Science I.O., make sure to come by, say hi, and we might even have swag in our pocket to hand to you. I'm going to be doing a talk on the virtual star parties at Science I.O., so about Excellent. 15 minutes, yeah, and I'm, and I'm, try, I'm going to try to get a live, going to get some astronomy happening live as well while we're doing it, so, so awesome. we'll see. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, great. Now, one quick thing. Um, if uh, if you're listening to the show and you really love it, uh, if you could go to iTunes and write a review for us, that would be super fantastic. Uh, because, uh, you know, the more reviews that helps pop us up to the top of the rankings and the listings. And then when people are looking for shows to listen to, uh, they'll see ours and, and give it a shot. And that really helps us out. So, you know, if you have a few seconds and you've never reviewed Astronomy Cast, that would help us a ton. And that's over on iTunes. Just do a search for, for Astronomy Cast on iTunes, and then there's a way to review it. And if you're not a member of iTunes, you don't like Apple, whatever, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not, you know, going to hold your feet to the fire. This episode of Astronomy Cast is brought to you by Eighth Light Inc. Eighth Light is an agile software development company. They craft beautiful applications that are durable and reliable. Eighth Light provides disciplined software leadership on demand and shares its expertise to make your project better. For more information, visit them online at www.8thlight.com. Just remember, that's www.thedigit8thlight.com. Drop them a note. Eighth Light, software is their craft. So as we learn early on with water, Matter can be in distinct phases, solid, liquid, gas, and plasma. It all depends on temperature and pressure. But why do different materials require different temperatures? And what's actually happening to the atoms themselves as the material switches phases? So, so I think I can remember chemistry class, physics class, uh, you know, back in high schools, we started to delve into the phases of matter. And at one point, the teacher said, and there's plasma. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Yes. I have a solid liquid and gas, but plasma? So, uh, so can we kind of take a step back then and uh, sort of talk about, I guess, early scientists starting to delve into this idea of, of the phases of matter? What's going on here? Well, I, I, I think this is one of those things that's pretty much as far back as people have attempted to conduct science, we've had basic ideas of elemental forces, elementals in general, earth, fire, water, air. 
And part of trying to break down this universe we live in was trying to understand how things transition between uh, just solid, liquid gas. And the only things that we had for a long time of firm understanding were things like metals, which you have to make fairly liquid in order to make all the cool things you need to wage war, like swords. Um, And then clearly things like water, where we went from ice to drinkable to steam. Um, But trying to understand this, there, there is this basic notion of heat something up, make a fire, fire changes the state, and uh, then when things cool off, the state changes in the other direction. And I guess it does, I mean, they knew pretty early on that water in the solid form and water in the liquid form and water in the gas form were water. Were, were all the same thing, that they were all, they were all water. I mean, and they got pretty comfortable with that idea that you could, you could move these elements back and forth. But I mean, they had some pretty goofy ideas about just you know, like the different elements, earth, air, fire, water. I mean, how did that all, I mean, alchemical, how did that all play into it? So, so, so in general, trying to figure out the, the basics really took until we started getting to the modern scientific revolution, uh, up until we really started understanding that atoms exist. It, it was hard to, to comprehend what gas is when we couldn't separate out the different constituencies of gas. So, so the phases of matter, while the big picture idea of solid liquid gas is an old concept, the scientific understanding of it is only a few hundred years old. Okay, so then what's actually going on here as, as you know, when we've got our water uh, turning into ice or we've got it turning into gas or plasma, uh, what's actually going on? So, so what we're doing is we're changing how the different atoms or molecules of a different compound are, are connected to one another. When you're dealing with a gas, the, the atoms are completely not connected to one another. So they're flying free, undergoing collisions where they bounce off of each other, and, and they, they have no bonds keeping them as part of a whole. When you start to deal with liquids, you've cooled things down enough so that their velocities, when they come together, they kind of stick. And then as as you have multiples coming together, these two might go to being connected and these two become connected. So you have more like a square dance of atoms and molecules where they they slowly change off how they're generally ionically bound to one another. But, but then as you cool things down even further, then you start to build solid bonds where these two and these two and these two and all of the different combinations lock into place in various ways. And depending exactly on the atomic structure of what you're dealing with, in some cases you can get beautiful crystal formation. In other cases, you just sort of end up with a haphazard mixing of the different atoms and molecules as they come together into a solid. So these are the three basic phases of matter. But then you can end up with some specialties. So as you transform into a plasma, plasma is still a special form of gas. Um, but in the case of plasma, you end up with, with the electrons are excited. And as they bounce between different energy levels and actually leave their host atoms and molecules, they, they give off light. So when you're looking at a fluorescent light bulb, that's a plasma. When you're looking at a star, that's a plasma too. Uh, But then when you go the other direction to a Bose-Einstein condensate, which is where you cool special types of gas down to a millionth of a degree or so, um, 
At that point, they take on very special atomic properties again. And in this case, you end up with a really funky clump of material where all of the atoms uh, achieve the lowest energy states they can while not having overlapping energy states. Now, is is a, a Bose is a Bose Einstein condensate? Con- condensate. Condensate. Um, yes. Is that an, a special form of matter? I mean, does it work as one of the phases of matter? It's depending on who you talk to, they're either going to call it a special state of matter or a special phase of matter. It's definitely not a solid. This is something where uh, they they typically make Bose-Einstein condensates out of rubidium atoms, and when they supercool these rubidium atoms, they they end up uh, clumping up into a very strangely moving blob. So it's it's this weird other um, and. It's not determined by the bonding like you do between solid, liquid, and gas, but rather it's it's defined by the energy levels of the specific atoms and how they all strive to get to the lowest possible energy level that they can. I think it's absolutely fascinating how they they do this, right? They don't they shoot a laser at the rubidium atoms to to extract energy from them until they move it's, into this stage. It's a two-step process to create a Bose-Einstein condensate. The first step is uh, you you have a set of magnetically um, bound together rubidium atoms, but they're all moving in a swarm, and that movement has its own energy. So as long as those suckers are moving, you, you can't achieve, well, a millionth of a degree. And so they tune lasers to slowly but surely uh, confine the velocities of these atoms down to a smaller and smaller and smaller velocity. Uh, and, and they actually have to do things like take into account what is the, the specific Doppler shifted energy level of the electrons inside of the rubidium. And it, because they, they've color matched the color of the laser to the color of the transition of the electrons in the rubidium at a specific the rubidium is moving velocity. Uh, they're, they're able to change the velocity uh, in much the same way as you might imagine uh, someone is roller skating towards you and you throw a basketball at them and when they catch the basketball it slows down their velocity. It's, it's kind of a crazy process but it works. And as they slowly tune the color of the laser, they're able to get the rubidium atoms moving at lower and lower and lower velocities. And so that's step one. Uh, step two, they, they actually uh, use evaporative cooling. So just like you cool off by evaporating water off of your surface, um, sweating is a more normal way of saying that. Um, they are able to cool off the rubidium by stripping away the faster-moving rubidium off of the surface. Now, does anything change with the the property of the matter apart from just the way the molecules are 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 bouncing around? You know, whether they're locked in in you know like soldiers in the you know the Bose-Einstein condensate, or if they're you know in a solid or in a liquid or a gas. Does anything change about the the matter's nature? 
Well, the the first thing that was noticed is when they were creating the first Bose-Einstein condensates, almost, they didn't quite get it cold enough, but when they were first trying to create Bose-Einstein condensates out of uh, helium-4, they, they noticed they created what's called a superfluid. This is a fluid that, that experiences no frictional forces as it flows. And, and so this weird absolute lack of friction is, is one of the cooler properties as you approach getting to a Bose-Einstein condensate. Uh, then you also end up with basically everything. Um, when you you look at uh, the distribution of it, it will spread itself out in funky ways. You end up with material trying to climb the sides of containers. Um, it just behaves in odd ways. But one of the problems that we have is it takes a whole lot of effort, a whole lot of energy to create one of these Bose-Einstein condensates. And that sounds kind of strange that it takes a ton of energy to cool something off so that it has no energy in it. But that's the reality of what we're doing. And um, so we can only create basically minuscule amounts of this. And and so we don't fully understand all the properties yet because we're, we're just not creating it in large amounts yet. But as you move from, say, solid to liquid or liquid to gas or even gas to plasma, does the, you know, does the, does the matter itself take on different properties, you know, chemically or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, or is it just the same stuff just in that different phase? <laughs> well, the, the atoms are certainly staying the same. Um, but what's changing is the kinematic motions and, and the kinematic motions of a certain degree decide how well atoms are or aren't bound to one another. So, uh, Depending on the situation, when you when you have a solid, you have all of these atoms that that are very close to one another, and in some cases are what's called ionically bound to one another. Ionic bonds are when two atoms are sharing electrons back and forth, but it, it's it's not that hardcore bond that you get for things like H2O, which is a covalent bond. If you have atoms that when you put them together, their electrons essentially create one complete shell of electrons. Um, it's like two puzzle pieces where one has has the, the sticky-outy bits that mix, mix, matches the other one's any bits. Um, atoms do that as well. And, and it's through those types of ionic sharing of electron bonds that, that you're able to get a metallic solid, for instance. Now, I mean, is that one of the sort of one of the situations like with water? I know that when water freezes, it actually becomes less dense, right? And and floats up on top of the, uh, you know, on top of the water. Water is a bizarre substance. It, it's one of the very few things that does become less dense as it becomes a solid. And what's happening here is in liquid, as the atoms flow past one another, very temporarily uh, sharing one another's electrons, but in a very loose way where the kinetic energies that are causing the atom, the molecules to flow, those kinetic energies are greater than the binding energies that are trying to hold the, the atoms together. As they cool, as those motions slow down, the atoms form crystalline structures, and it's the nature of that crystalline structure that, that causes the atoms to get pushed apart into very specific configurations that cause the solid to end up having a much lower density uh, than the liquid does. Now, we, now, obviously, we've experienced this. You leave an ice cube out on your on your table and it's going to it's going to melt. So this is a phase change. What is sort of going on with these with these phase changes? What what is what is what needs to be there for you to be able to get these changes? 
Well, it, in order to go from one phase to the other, you have to add energy to the system that gets the atoms moving, gets the molecules moving, depending on what it is. Um, so, so when you take, for instance, lead, say you have a lead. I hope it's not a food implement because lead is slightly but poisonous. Fork? No, um, no. Let's go. Let's go with iron. Iron won't kill you as sure. as, as readily. Uh, so, let's say you have a nice iron old-fashioned dagger of some sort. I don't know why, but you do. It's a nice, friendly solid. Now, if you dagger, take... Dagger? Da- really? Well, anyway, I won't, <laughs> I won't question your, your analogies. Please continue. Um, so if you take something that will release energy when burned like wood, um, when it releases that energy, it releases it in the form quite often of infrared and other forms of light. And so you stick the dagger on top of the fire and it's probably going to be more than just wood. And as the temperature increases, as more and more uh, radiation, radiative light is concentrated onto that dagger, it uh, the, the atoms will start trying to move, trying to move, trying to move. And eventually the, the heat energy that's been injected into those vibrating, moving atoms uh, are going to, to exceed the binding energies, and it's going to begin to melt. Now, eventually, were you to use something a whole lot hotter than wood, um, a whole lot more uh, releasing of energy, you could actually convert that into a gas, in which case you've completely broken down all the abilities of the atoms to bond onto one another, and their kinetic energy is so great that they simply bounce off of one another when they come near instead of bonding to one another. And if you go the other way, right? I mean, you're if you're extracting energy from the system, heat from the system. Well, it, extracting energy is a difficult process involving laser beams. Well, uh, if, <laughs> if if things are cooling down, it, it, if something is able to radiate its its heat off into the surroundings using its own infrared radiation. So this is you take your red hot dagger and you set it aside and that red hot is uh, IR radiation and optical radiation escaping. Um, as it as it cools down, it's it's losing energy to its environment. So losing energy to the molecules of gas around it, losing energy in all sorts of ways, thermal transfer to the surface underneath it. And as it cools down, the kinetic energy of the molecules is slowing down and, and eventually you have all of the atoms pretty much locked together into this solid form. Now you can get situations where um, matter can jump forms, right? You can get things that will go from, say, solid to directly to gas. Like I think about like carbon dioxide, right? Frozen carbon dioxide. It's sublimate, yes. Yeah. So, it's, so there's entire what are called phase diagrams. And uh, at different points, there's, for instance, a triple point of water where at just the right temperature, pressure, density combination, you can have water going from solid to liquid to gas with just the, the slightest changes. And, and so this is that magic triple point where water can exist pretty much in all three phases, depending on which direction you approach it from. And and depending on the density pressure, you get lots of different things that can go from this solid to gas phase. Uh, On the moon, you can have water ice that sublimates straight into water gas. Uh, On on the surface of Mars, uh, you can have carbon dioxide or water. Both of them will go straight from solid to gas. Uh, And this is simply a matter of at these pressures, uh, there's nothing 
holding the atoms together. And as they go from being bound together into a solid, they simply bypass that stage where they're slightly bound together as a liquid and go straight into a gaseous form. And so pressure is is the kind of the magic ingredient with this. I know, you know, when you buy a hiking stove, if you're going to go up in a high altitude and you want to boil water, it takes you less time. A lot longer. It takes you longer. That's right, because the pressure is lower. Right. Uh, um, so, you know, you can have situations as well where you have conditions of very high pressure that change everything as well. Like you can think about passing down through Jupiter, where I think what they have like tons of different, even just different types of water ice. Well, what's interesting is you can uh, actually boil things simply by changing the pressure under which it is. So you can end up boiling water by lowering the pressure that it's under. Um, You can turn nitrogen into a gas, uh, nitrogen into a liquid by increasing the pressure that it's under. So when you're trying to figure out what phase of matter that you're looking at, uh, you have to consider the pressure, the the density of the atoms, the temperature, and it's from all three of these things that we're able to figure out what phase that we should mathematically have at the end of the day. So what are some extreme environments that maybe we can find unusual situations. I mean, you mentioned one already, which is that if you've got ice on the moon, it's going to be sublimating directly from ice right into into gas. Um, another situation is that you can, you know, in Jupiter, you can go down through Jupiter and encounter different kinds of ice, which are well, produced at different and, and pressures, right? And and there, it's, to be specific, you're dealing with different types of gaseous ices. Yeah. And, and, and so while water does have different crystalline structures, depending largely on how quickly or how slowly you cool it down, um, I, I, I think the, the best way to consider this is to look at Titan. It's a methane environment that's very similar to Earth. Here at Earth, our environment allows water to be uh, liquid, solid, or gas, depending on very minor differences just in your kitchen. Uh, If you go to Titan, you have the exact same boundary conditions for methane, where you have methane rain falling from the sky, methane ice on the surface, methane gas in the atmosphere. And and so to me, I guess I've, I've dealt with thinking about this for so long that it's not weird or extreme. It's just that's the way Titan is. It's plenty weird. Just, just so you know, just okay. All right, but but I think the most interesting application of this, in in some regards, is uh, if you very very slowly cool down water ice, you can end up with perfectly clear ice that looks more like glass than like your normal has all sorts of white flaws in it ice cube. And one interesting application of this is if you make a perfectly spherical. Uh, ice cube with no flaws in it, it will melt slower and you can use it in whiskey to have whiskey that is at the correct temperature and isn't too watered down. So it's always good to know how to use chemistry to create the perfect glass of whiskey. (laughs) Right, of course. I'll I'll, I'll use that Um, (laughs) in in scotch. But uh, so, okay, so what about really extreme places? Like what about... uh, you know, the surface of neutron stars and inside white dwarfs and things like that. I mean, is it still just solid or have you reached some other phase of matter? I mean, they call it well, de- degenerate matter, neutron, right? It, sorry, electron degenerate gas. And and this is 
again, one of those things that it's hard to think of it as a different phase of matter, but it's definitely a different behavior at the atomic level. So this doesn't have as much to do with the kinetic properties of matter the way solid liquid gas has to do with the kinetic properties, but but rather this has to do with, with how the electrons and the Pauli exclusion principle come into play. So with, with both Einstein condensates, you have to worry about what are the energy levels of the atoms, and the atoms each actually only have specific allowed energies. Well, with an electron degenerate gas and a white dwarf, what you're worrying about is what are the energy levels of all of the electrons? Because the atoms are so tightly packed together that the electrons basically form a crystalline structure where they're trying to avoid having two atoms with the the exact same uh, spin up, spin down characteristics in the same energy level. Pauli exclusion principle won't allow that. And, and so you end up with a latest work of electrons that, that your atomic nuclei are suspended within. So it's still a phase of matter then? I mean, it's still, well, it's, it's a gas. It's, I mean, it's a crystal. Yeah. So it's a solid. Yeah. Um, electron degenerate stars are for the most part solids. And we think that they're, they're uh, carbon atoms form diamonds actually, but it's the electrons that have this quantum mechanical defined nature uh, that says the electrons can only get this close together and no closer. And and so thinking of it as a different phase of matter isn't entirely how a chemist would would want you to think of it, I don't think. But it is a different behavior of the of the matter at a quantum level. So the last thing I'd like to talk about is plasma. And obviously <laughs> the uh, the sun is what is it a miasma of incandescent plasma? No. Yeah. yeah so they might be giant song. Um, yes. uh, but uh, right. So like what's going on here? What is, how do you turn a gas into a plasma and what is the nature of plasma? Well, so, so plasma is a special type of gas. So if, if you're trying to do the mathematics of how do the atoms move, how do they collide off of one another, that's still all related to standard gas laws. What makes a plasma different is the electrons in plasma are excited to higher levels and, and excited things, excited electrons don't stay excited permanently. And as they cascade back down to the lower energy levels, they give off light. So day to day, the gas around us is not emitting light. This is good because if the air in this room were emitting light, I couldn't see my screen in front of me. Uh, so, so plasmas tend to be opaque at a certain level because they're so busy giving off light that light can't get through them. Um, this, this light that's bouncing around inside the, the plasma actually helps feed the system because uh, a photon emitted in the transition of one atom can go out, hit another atom, cause it to get excited, and so you end up with this feeding system. But due to the random nature of the directions that the light is coming off, uh, you, you do end up with light eventually being emitted. And, and lasers are actually a special case of this where you end up with, with coherent stimulated emission. And we've done an entire show on this that you can go back and listen to. So, so with a plasma, you simply have overexcited electrons that, that are uh, getting excited through the various collisions and through uh, energy being driven into the system in your fluorescent bulb. It's the electricity from the wall. Uh, in the sun, it's the nuclear reaction that's going on in the center of the sun. And whatever the source of energy that's exciting all of the atoms, 
their electrons are the ones that are expressing that excitement by uh, getting excited and then collapsing and giving off light in the process of the collapse. But you get some interesting properties with plasma. I mean, one, it glows, you it know, glows. With, a, with a neon sign. That's nice. And it's good that it's not filling the air. But also, I mean, we get situations where plasma coming from the sun interacts with the Earth's magnetic field. And this, they're charged particles yeah, at this stage. Yeah. And so you've got the situation where now you can move it around with a magnet. And and I, I think moving it around with a magnet is, is a very strange way to think of it. Because now I have this idea of, of yes, you can, you can move a magnet around on various types of plasma and actually see the things moving. But magnetic fields is, is actually what that magnetic is magnet is creating. And um, moving charged particles generate a magnetic field. And magnetic fields move charged particles. It's this neat dynamic interplay. And, and so the plasma, when it's in motion, gener- generates magnetic fields and standing magnetic fields can move the plasma. So that's, that's just kind of cool. That is really cool. So do you think there will be any more phases of matter ever discovered or has it sort of been fully explained? Um, I, I think in terms of, of the kinetic states of energy, I, I think we're good. In terms of weird quantum mechanical states, we still don't know what the heck to make of the inside of a black hole. So I, I think just like Bose-Einstein condensates are a weird quantum mechanically defined structure, just like electron degenerate gases are a weird quantum mechanic defined way of mass being. I think inside of black holes, we have yet to figure out what the heck that is. And there's the potential for it to either be just raw bits, particle physics at play, or maybe even some new structure we can't imagine. Let's just assume. Let's just assume it's another form of matter. We just can't. Yeah, I don't do that. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Pamela. That was great. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Astronomy Cast a nonprofit resource provided by Astrosphere New Media Association, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can find show notes and transcripts for every episode at astronomycast.com. You can email us at info at astronomycast.com. Tweet us at astronomycast. Like us on Facebook or circle us on Google+. We record our show live on Google+, every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, or 2000 Greenwich Mean Time. If you missed the live event, you can always catch up over at CosmoQuest.org. If you enjoy Astronomy Cast, why not give us a donation? It helps us pay for bandwidth, transcripts, and show notes. Just click the donate link on the website. All donations are tax deductible for U.S. residents. You can support the show for free, too. Write a review or recommend us to your friends. Every little bit helps. Click support the show on our website to see some suggestions. To subscribe to the show, point your podcatching software at astronomycast.com slash podcast.xml or subscribe directly from iTunes. Our music is provided by Travis Searle and the show is edited by Preston Gibson.